Hello everyone and welcome to Queen's Campus News. My name is Samara Lujum and I'm the Campus News Coordinator, here to give you the most important student events, news and issues from the perspective of students. I hope everybody had a very restful and productive reading week or reading two days. Um, I hope you guys got to catch up on midterms and um, are having a strong start to Halloween. I would like to start off this show by acknowledging that the land that Queen's campus uh, sits on is the traditional land of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee people. We came to occupy this land through a process called colonialization, um, the effects of which First Nations communities still live with today. Last week was the 43rd federal election. Congratulations to all those who voted for their very first time. This election saw a 66% voter turnout no party hit the 170-seat threshold to form a, mi a majority government. The Liberals took this election with 157 seats and are now forming a minority government. Although um, voter turnout for this election was lower than previous years, we saw a dynamic change in the standing of the parties. The NDP lost about 20 seats, and the Bloc Québécois uh, actually tripled their seats in Parliament. Elizabeth May and the Green Party won three seats, making this uh, sort of their biggest election. This is the most seats the Green Party's won. And according to Elizabeth May, this is the most success a climate change-oriented party has uh, had in a first-past-the-post electoral system uh, globally, which really reflects the growing concern of climate change and how Canadians really saw it as one of their biggest electoral issues. This election also saw a party leader not win their own seat. Maxine Bernier did not get re-elected in his home riding. The People's Party of Canada also failed to elect any MPs in any ridings across Canada, so we will not be seeing them in Parliament. In Kingston, Mark Gerritsen, the former mayor of Kingston and the incumbent member of Parliament for Kingston on the Islands, was re-elected for a second term. In second place was Barrington Walker, the NDP candidate. In Conservative candidate Ruslan Yakovic was pushed into third place. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And uh, in fourth place was the Green Party candidate Candace Christmas. This September, Queens' own Truth and Reconciliation Commission published its second annual implementation report. 
this report reveals the statistics on um, Indigenous presence at Queen's and also gives an overview of the progress of the recommendations implemented by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission Task Force last April. Some of the recommendations that have been achieved over the last few years, this uh, started in April 2016, have been the creation of an Indigenous Initiatives Implementation Roundtable, um, more attention and resources directed towards Indigenous research, and increasing the resources and capacity of the Office of Indigenous Initiatives and the Center for Teaching and Learning. According to the report, Indigenous staff at Queen's increased from 2.3 to 4.1 percent, and Indigenous faculty went from 1.7 to 2 percent. According to a Queen's self-identification survey from 2018, 4.3 percent of students self-identified as Indigenous. There are also 92 self-identified Indigenous graduate students at Queen's. Despite the progress that this report highlights, we still see anti-Indigenous racism present on campus. Queens made national news recently when a very vulgar and violent anti-Indigenous and homophobic letter was found posted in the common room of the fourth floor of Chown, which is also the Indigenous living and learning floor. This note caused outrage all over campus, Queen's administration and um, almost all student governments have released statements. The Four Directions Indigenous Student Center has been working really hard to support Indigenous students on campus and Indigenous students in town. They also organized a rally on Friday, October 17th. Well, about 300 people pledged to going online. Almost a thousand... Almost a thousand Queen's students, administration, and Kingston community members came out to march through campus and show their solidarity with members of the Indigenous community, members of the LGBT community, and students in town, and any students on campus who have been affected by this hate crime. The march was a great demonstration of the solidarity here on Queen's campus. And as AMS President Austin Pierce said, seeing everybody march hopefully sends a message that Queens doesn't tolerate hate, racism, or bigotry. Extinction Rebellion, a radical climate activism group, has made its way to Kingston and will be hosting their first spectacle on October 27th. This Halloween will mark one year since the beginning of Extinction Rebellion, where 1,500 people went to Parliament Square in London to announce their declaration of rebellion against the British government. This climate change activist group is notorious for resorting to many different spectacles to gain attention and call to light the issue of climate change. They've done things like block roads, swarm fashion shows, glue people to landmarks, climb bridges... The core beliefs of this somewhat radical environmentalist group is to use nonviolent civil disobedience to achieve change. An example of one of their spectacles is a die-in, where they get fake pools of blood 
and a big group of protesters who are heaped all over each other covered in blood well a group of people will deliver a eulogy for planet earth sort of symbolizing that if we stay on the track that we are going now um the planet will die soon these events are known as die-ins yesterday on october 27th kingston's branch of extinction rebellion had a die-in of their own staged at the memorial center farmers market they turned the market into a mock graveyard where protesters pretended to be dead and symbolized the inevitable extinction of humanity unless people started to take serious action towards ending climate change this won't be one of their first stunts while the group started in england they have staged over 60 stunts targeting different bridges and um tourist attractions across the country. In Montreal, they climbed the Jacques Cartier Bridge, and in Toronto, they blocked the Bloor Viaduct. By winning the OUA Championships. For the first time since 2013, Queens was able to beat the Guelph Griffins 46-17. to they have had an incredible season, averaging 81.8 points scored per game, which is the most in the country, and 7.7 points against per game, which is the third least in the country. So they're looking very well positioned to have a great shot at the national championships. Happy Halloween, everybody! I hope you've been enjoying your spooky season with pumpkin spice lattes and are excited for Halloween! To get in the spirit of the season, I decided to go around and ask some of my friends what they're going to be for Halloween. So let's see what Halloween costumes are the most popular this year. What are you going to be for Halloween? Um, well, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be, but I'm sure what I'm not going to be. And it's going to be a cultural appropriating costume, even though a lot of students at Queens think, seem to think that's somehow socially acceptable in 2019. My three costumes are uh, a policeman, okay. a, f- a firefighter, and a doctor. You know what? I never really do anything for Halloween, and you know what? I think this year I need to go all out and just, you know, fully participate in the tradition. I think I'm going to be an angel, and then I'm going to be a devil. Okay, well, me and my roommates are going as Elvin the Chipmunks, and then I got to think of a second one, because there's two parties. I'm going to be a bunny. I actually do know what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a um, and I'm also going to be a fairy, and I'm also going to be... Um, I don't know what else yet, but I have two, and yeah. Because this is the only weekend that this is socially acceptable. (laughs) I'm going to be a tiger. Um, I'm going to be a blow-up person riding a ostrich, if that makes sense. Oh my god, like an inflatable? Yeah. (laughs) For this Halloween, I'm going to be newsflash. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tape a bunch of news articles around me. I'm going to wear a trench coat and I'm going to start flashing everyone. (laughs) And there you have it, newsflash. I'm going to be brave so that way I can say the line, if you had the chance to change your feet, would (laughs) you? And that better be on air. (laughs) (laughs) 
real spooky, guys. I love to hear everybody's creative ideas. Helps me think of some of my own. And because Halloween's on a Thursday this year, we will probably all be needing more than one costume. While you're getting festive for Halloween, and especially when you're costume shopping and doing things like carving pumpkins, you have to be conscious that Halloween festivities are often very full of single-use products that really are not sustainable. As you heard, people often have several costumes every year, and when you're buying things just for a costume and not using it again, it is a pretty big waste. Lucky for us, a recent Queen's Journal article was just published outlining all the tips and tricks on how to have a sustainable Halloween. First, let's start with pumpkins. Pumpkin carving is a lot of people's favorite part of Halloween, but carving pumpkins every year isn't very sustainable. Every Halloween, hundreds of millions of tons of pumpkins end up in landfills where they only contribute to greenhouse gas emissions. So when you're at the store shopping for a pumpkin to carve this year, maybe get a smaller pumpkin instead of the biggest one you can find. The next one is candy. Candy is a Halloween necessity, and every year, hundreds of thousands of kids go trick-or-treating, each getting individually wrapped candy from neighbors wrapped in plastic that often ends up in landfills and are very hard to recycle. If you're expecting trick-or-treaters this year, try to opt for boxed candy instead of plastic-wrapped candy. Whether you're giving candy to trick-or-treaters or enjoying it yourself, Boxed candy is cased in cardboard, making it much easier to recycle and minimizing the amount of Halloween-related junk in landfills. And lastly, when Halloween shopping for your probably several Halloween costumes, consider thrifting. Not only is it a cheap way to get lots of creative pieces for different costumes, but you also help the environment by saving some clothing from ending up in a landfill and saving clothing from ending up being produced. Another thing to be careful for is making sure that your costume is culturally sensitive. A very controversial topic this year, cultural appropriation is something that not everybody knows about, but knowing about it is, makes it a lot easier to avoid. So I brought on my friend Martha to answer some questions about cultural appropriation and how to avoid it this Halloween. Is your mic on? Hello. Hi, Martha. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Samara. So the first question, can you explain what a culturally appropriative costume is? Yeah, Samara, I can. So a uh, culturally appropriative costume would be anything that would depict or make light of or commoditize a race or a culture. What are some examples of culturally appropriative costumes that people should avoid? Well, I think there's definitely a lot of more obvious um, examples like blackface or um, Disney princesses like Mulan, Pocahontas, and such, because it's quite ignorant of a lot of um, oppression in history, and these kinds of costumes are often worn by people that really don't know or don't care much about that. But there are some examples that aren't, or maybe aren't, as obvious to people that don't know so much about these types of things. Like a ninja, I'm sure we've all seen um, the girls on Instagram with their sexy ninja costumes. <laughs> well, that's actually culturally appropriative. Um, 
anything from Day of the Dead, which is super ignorant of the fact that Day of the Dead is an entirely different celebration in Mexico. Or, Mm -hmm. honestly, if your costume involves a sombrero, you probably should just leave it at home. Appropriating, honestly, is just making making light of somebody else's life or culture or struggle. Um, I think that the most important thing to remember about cultural appropriation is, you know, don't jam somebody else's culture. Don't jam somebody else's race. Stay in your lane. (laughs) Good advice. Thank you. So if your friend's in a costume that you suspect might be culturally insensitive, how would you approach a situation where you think your friend is guilty of cultural appropriation? That's a really good question. Um, Honestly, I think that if you see something, say something. And at the end of the day, um, your friend, if they're a good person, is going to be more grateful for you letting them know that what they're doing is maybe less than kind and less than sensitive. Um, And, you know, there's nothing wrong with speaking your mind. And there's no need to be aggressive about it towards them, absolutely. But there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, um, I think you might do well to think about this information. And last question, Martha. What should you do if you're not sure if your own costume might be culturally insensitive? Well, um, as redundant as that question might seem, um, if you are unsure about whether or not your your costume is culturally appropriative, you should go with your gut and just choose something else. Because at the end of the day, you being respectful of another human being is in no way going to disadvantage you. It will only advantage other people. Mm -hmm. So just be nice. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Just be nice this Halloween. All right. Thank you so much, Thank you for having me, Samara. Uh, I hope everybody has a really fun Halloween and just remember to be culturally sensitive, be cognizant of the history behind the costumes you're wearing, and um, when in doubt, uh, take the safe route. If you think that you might be doing something that's offensive, it's probably safe to not do it. It probably isn't worth it. That being said, Halloween is many people's favorite holiday of the year and is a very exciting one. According to surveys, 68% of Canadians celebrate Halloween and 33% of adults go to a Halloween party. We average at $70 per capita spent on costumes, candy, and decoration, which is more than Americans. So Halloween is obviously a very big event here. Remember to be safe, and also a reminder that the core, so the campus observation room, will be having extended hours. They will be open on Halloween from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. And that's it for our Halloween report. In other news, Deputy Provost Terry Shearer announced that the university will be suspending the sexual violence disclosure requirement of the new sexual violence policy. After getting lots of criticism from students and faculty from the university, they've decided to they decided to no longer require non-healthcare professionals like profs and other queens staff and faculty to disclose a student's information to the university when they share an instance of sexual assault. Many people feel like this would be safer for students who have been victims of sexual violence because now when they disclose to a trusted member of faculty or staff, they know that their disclosure will be confidential. However, the suspension of this requirement is only temporary and consultations are still happening. 
And now, here's a roundup of the most exciting events happening on Queen's campus this week. Today at 8 p.m., Queen's Collage Collectives will be having an October collage party called Queen's But Make It Queer. It will be going on from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. in the J-Duck. Make sure to come out for this night filled with collaging, snacks, and queer solidarity. Tomorrow on October 29th, the Queen's Committee Against Racial and Ethnic Discrimination, also known as CARED, will be having their Appreciation Not Appropriation Open Discussion event. It will be going on from 7 p.m. to 9.30 in Dunning Hall, where they'll talk about different shows and topics related to cultural appropriation and the media. On Wednesday, October 30th, Flesh and Blood Productions will be having Halloween's 2.0, their Halloween drag show, at the Grad Club. It will be going from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., and tickets are $10 in advance. On October 31st, the Underground will be hosting Beers and Booze, a special edition of Halloween Undies. It will be at 10.30 p.m. this Thursday, and the two people with the best costume win two tickets to the December 11th Raptors versus Clippers game, which will be Cowie Leonard's first game back in Toronto. This week, the screening room will continue screening their very popular Rocky Horror Picture Show. The last three dates will be October 28th, October 29th, October 30th, and October 30th, all at 8.30 p.m. Make sure to get your tickets online before they run out. If you want to get off campus to celebrate Halloween too and see how Kingston gets festive, the Skeleton Parks Art Fest will be having a Halloween parade on October 31st. It will go from Thursday at 4.45 to 7 p.m. So bring your friends and your costumes to McBurney Park and enjoy the parade. The Toucan will also be having a Halloween dance party on October 31st. It starts at 10 p.m. and there'll be a live DJ and prizes for the best costume. Tomorrow, Leonard Dining Hall invites you to come celebrate Diwali. From 4.30 to 9 p.m., enjoy some delicious South Asian-inspired food and music, lantern making, and a special dance for performance by the Queen's Indian Student Association's dance team at 5.30. The Queen's Student Alumni Association will be having a speaker series event. This event will be on October 29th from 5.30 to 8 in Mitchell Hall, and they have speaker Daniel Valadares coming. He's a Queen's alumni who now works at Tesla. Well, you'll get to hear his experiences. You'll also get to have a Q&A and a short networking session afterwards. There'll be tea, coffee, and baked goods from Kogro, and it should be a really great time. On November 2nd, Education on Queer Issues Project, also known as EQIP, the Queen's Collage Collective and Get Real Queens are teaming up to host Queer Prom. Whether you're a member of the LGBT community or you just want to support other queer groups on campus, come out to Wallace Hall on November 2nd from 8pm to 12am for Queen's first ever queer prom. Tickets are on sale on October 28th to November 1st in the ARC from 1 to 3, and all that is required is a $5 donation. There'll be a cash bar at the event, and it should be a really fun, inclusive prom. Make sure to get your tickets soon. On November 5th, Scientista and Queen's Female Leadership in Politics will be hosting a mentorship and munch event. Come to Wallace Hall from 5.30 to 7.30 for an evening of mentorship and networking. Snacks will be provided.
And once Halloween is over, it's time to dive into Christmas. The Kingston Holiday Market will be having its grand opening this weekend. They'll be kicking off this weekend on November 1st at 5.30, and the market will be going this weekend all the way through to November 3rd at 3. Their new location this year is 145 Princess Street, right at the corner of Bagot and Princess. They'll be open every Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday starting November all the way until December 22nd. So make sure to drop by if you want to get into the holiday spirit. And that's it for events this week. It's a jam-packed week with Halloween, all these events going on, and midterms, so make sure that you take time to yourself, but also get out there and have some fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Campus News. My name is Samara Legium, and I'm the Campus News Coordinator here at CFRC, Queens's campus community radio station. If you or anybody you know have a story that you think needs to be talked about or would like to contribute in any way to this news program, please feel free to reach out at campusnews at cfrc.ca. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.